When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, over the weekend, we got word that a familiar face is rejoining the uh, American League Central uh, yet again. Uh, will be uh, part of the Minnesota Twins roster for the 2024 season, and uh, it's Carlos Santana. We'll get to uh, we'll get to see Carlos when uh, when the Guardians face the Twins. Uh, should be interesting. This is a guy who uh, the Guardians are obviously very familiar with, uh, but now gets a chance to hit at uh, uh, Target Field in Minnesota, where uh, he is not only very familiar, but but very comfortable. Yeah, Joe, uh, you know, Carlos, uh, you know, <laughs> this guy, you know, he's he's kind of uh, what he's like. He's 37. He's become a like a slash uh uh, you know, hired gun, you know, he's, he's just going around to, he's kind of become the veteran presence on, on whichever teams he plays for. And, um, you know, he's, he's really kind of what he's kind of bounced around, uh, this past season, this past couple of years, uh, you know, two years ago, he was with uh, Kansas city and, and Seattle, uh, last year he was with Pittsburgh and Milwaukee and you know everywhere he goes he uh, you know he plays a lot and he hits a lot of home runs this is an interesting guy and you know it's he's a guy Joe I wish uh, Cleveland would have taken a look at you know the twins signed him for like 5.25 million a one year deal I think he would have been a perfect fit on this Cleveland club yeah and you know obviously there's a, a different situation it's a different time here uh, he had a great relationship with with Terry Francona uh, you know, who knows uh, what the, the feeling is in terms of, uh, you know, the current coaching staff or, uh, you know, who's in charge here uh, this year in Cleveland with Stephen Vogt. But uh, I, I got to believe that that if you ask Carlos, he might want to be, you know, back here to, you know, bring some energy and bring some, like you said, veteran presence. There's a there's an opportunity there, uh, you know, possibly at first base. Instead, they went in the direction of. Uh, you know, the, the, the young guy rule five draft that's, uh, uh, Davison De Los Santos as a, as an option to, to maybe try and win a spot over there at first base, but, uh, in, to, to help out Josh Naylor. I, I agree. I think, uh, Santana would have been a, a good fit here in Cleveland, but now they have to figure out, uh, you know, uh, strategize and figure out ways to get him out, which, which really hasn't been a, a big problem for the Guardians in facing Carlos Santana. Uh, you know, 10 years with the Guardians, but uh, when he's not in a Cleveland uniform and he's out there, uh, when when facing Cleveland, uh, a lifetime 140 hitter uh, with, uh, you know, a 461 OPS, uh, only two career home runs and six RBIs in 34 games as an opponent uh, against when he sees a Cleveland uniform, uh, the, the pitchers for, for Cleveland have, have handled him pretty well. 
Yeah, Joe, and uh, maybe he feels sorry uh, for Cleveland. <laughs> I don't know because, you know, the, uh, Cleveland gave him his break, uh, got him to the big leagues first under Manny Acta. And, uh, you know, I think he's always loved it here. And uh, so, but, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. You're going to face him a lot more now, you know, with the Twins. Uh, you know, and Joe, he likes target. I mean, yeah, Joe, he likes target field, man. What, 98 games there, uh, 257 uh, lifetime hitter, 17 home runs, 58 RBIs. And just uh, just in the AL Central overall, you know, he has done a lot of damage uh, against, you name the team except for Cleveland, he's done some damage. He's hit 115 of his 301 home runs. That's 38% uh, percent against AL Central pitching. Yeah, that's uh, a, a lot of home runs. Uh, you know, Coffin Stadium, Target Field, uh, Guaranteed Rate Park, all uh, all double-digit home runs uh, for him in his career. Uh, and the power numbers are really good. The the slugging percentage, you know, 460 at Kauffman uh, Stadium, uh, 453 uh, lifetime at, at Target Field. So, you know, the the Twins knew what they were doing when they were bringing him in. They knew that this is a guy who, who feels comfortable in that ballpark. Where does he necessarily fit with this uh, this Twins ball club now? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he's, he kind of fits at first base to me, Joe. Uh, you know, Kurloff and him can uh, platoon over there, you know, and or, or he, you know, Carlos is a switch hitter. He can do, you know, he, when he, the days he's not hitting, I mean, playing first base, he can he can DH. So, you know, you've got a guy, really a durable guy that, you know, rarely misses games. You know, he played 146 games last year at 37, uh, the year before 131 you know, 158 in 2021. This is a guy that posts every day and, you know, he's reliable and he's going to give you some production. Yeah, that's uh, that's what he's going to do. And, you know, we're uh, he's always been uh, approachable and, and, and likable and, and uh, you know, easy to work with in, in the media. So, uh, you know, happy to see him uh, getting another chance to, you know, and to sign a big league contract. That's that that's important, especially at, at his age and uh, you know, we we really haven't seen that that productivity necessarily start to to fall off. Where um, it, eventually, when when Carlos Santana uh, you know finally decides to hang it up, uh, could you see him, you know, being uh, a, a guy that that Cleveland honors in some way, maybe even a a future Guardians Hall of Famer? Oh yeah, I think definitely, Joe. I think he's kind of one of those under the radar guys, a guy that you know you really don't you know you don't. You don't know what you had until you don't have them. This guy is ranked tied for fifth on Cleveland's all-time home run list with uh, Jose Ramirez in a Cleveland uniform. He's hit 216 home runs. And, uh, you know, the only guys in front of him are Tommy Bell and Ramirez and Earl Averill. And all four of those guys are in Cleveland's Hall of Fame. When uh, when you think about Carlos Santana, obviously uh, his entire tenure here in in Cleveland, you covered him. Uh, what are some of the memories and, and some of the things that that come back to to to, to you when you think of uh, Carlos? I, I mean, besides kissing Tito's bald head in the dugout, uh, you know, before the games, because those uh, that that's when everybody thinks about. Yeah, I just remember him, you know. Looking, you know, the bat play, Joe, right away. You know, uh, Manny Acta, they called him up from Columbus. They put him right in the middle of the lineup as a rookie. You know, uh, I think he batted four, third or fourth from his first day here. And um, just a lot of pressure, but he handled it. 
Uh, and I, I just remember him searching for a position to play. You know, he, he started at catcher. You know, he kept getting concussions at catcher. They moved him to third base. They didn't like him there. Uh, you know, he kind of, you know, he had good actions, a great arm, but, you know, he was kind of, you know, he, he wasn't the best uh, defender. Finally, they moved him to first base in DH, and that's where he stayed. And, you know, he wasn't really a good first baseman when uh, they moved him there. He, he was really kind of a hitter first, and uh, Franco took him aside and said listen if you want to play every day you have got to be play you've got to improve at first base and he did and I think he with a one year he was a gold glove finalist I'm not saying he's he's Keith Hernandez over there but he's a solid defender he's become a solid defender and just and his the, the whole um his personality uh really you know, the longer he stayed in Cleveland, the more of a of a leader he became, a more of a clubhouse leader he became. And, you know, he kind of found his voice, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really interesting. And it was it was fun to see that transition. Yeah. And, and that was that was really interesting when he left Cleveland. He went to Philadelphia. Uh, you, you talk about finding your voice. I mean, uh, very, uh, very famous incident about uh, smashing up some uh, some TV screens in the clubhouse in, in Philadelphia. Uh, it sort of made us sort of take notice and, and look, and we we're like, yeah, that, that that's what Carlos Santana, you know, brought to the clubhouse was that um, uh, that veteran leadership, and, and especially when he came back uh, to Cleveland again uh, via a trade uh, that uh, you know he he provided a couple more seasons of of that leadership uh, for a team that was uh, you know about to become uh, much younger uh, after he had left uh, for the second time. Uh, I will remember, like you said, uh, the way that he improved his his defense at first base. Uh, I always thought he had a really good arm for somebody who was over at first base. Uh, that that ground ball play uh, when there's a runner on first and he's got to turn, uh, you know, start the double play uh, over to second base. Uh, I always thought he was really good at, at turning that throw. Um, I I got to say uh, the things that stand out in my memory with with Carlos Santana. I I remember the the night LeBron James announced that uh, he was coming back to Cleveland. Uh, I, I we were at a game and I believe they were playing the White Sox and uh, the the news swept through the ballpark uh, and then uh, you know everybody was sort of buzzing about LeBron James and then the game against the White Sox went into extra innings and Carlos Santana hit a walk off home run that night. Uh, and, and and for like a moment, you felt like Cleveland was the center of the uh, the sports universe uh, once again uh, that night. Uh, remember Carlos Santana catching the, the final out of the uh, 2016 AL Championship Series in the in foul territory in uh, in Toronto. And, you know, just being on his knees and being swarmed by his teammates. Uh, that was, uh, you know, a, a, a great memory of, of Carlos Santana. So hopefully, uh, you know, he doesn't produce any more great memories for the the twins moving forward uh, against the guardians but it will be great to see him uh, on a couple of occasions coming into uh, Cleveland and and hopefully the fans can give him the kind of reception and the kind of uh, welcome uh, once again that 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 he deserves uh, even though he's wearing the wrong uniform uh, for that uh, that particular night uh, all right uh, Hoinsey, uh there was some uh, news that came out of uh, the Dodger Fest out on the West Coast. The Dodgers held their version of Guards Fest, uh, their fan festival, uh, this past weekend, and uh, the the news that it was pretty much the uh, the worst kept secret, I guess, in in all of baseball. Uh, MLB.com's Juan Toriobo 
reporting that uh, the Dodgers admitted they had looked into uh, trades for uh, Jesus Lazardo or Shane Bieber uh, once they had uh, extended Tyler Glasnow uh, and after acquiring him. Uh, you know, just your thoughts on the news that, that the Dodgers, uh, you know, coming out and saying, hey, yeah, we, we kicked the tires on Shane Bieber. Yeah, Joe, I, I'm not surprised at all. I think we even speculated on it on a couple of uh, former podcasts that, uh, you know, it just made too much sense for the Dodgers not to take a look at Bieber. You know, the, after they signed just about every other pitcher on the market, you know, with uh, Otani and, and Yamamoto and Glasnow and now Paxton, um, you know, they they were looking for a, a guy, you know, on, on, on Cleveland staff, Bieber's maybe the, you know, number one or number two starter, but they were looking for, I think, a guy in the middle of the rotation that they could count on, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, fill some innings, eat some innings, make, you know, 25 to 30 starts because, you know, most of their, a lot of their, the top end of their rotation is kind of, they've got some question marks, you know, Otani's not going to pitch next year. Glass not only pitched 120 innings last season. Paxton is an injury waiting to happen. Uh, you know, uh, Walker Bueller is coming off a uh, surgery. So, you know, they really needed a stabilizing force in the middle of that rotation. And, you know, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, well, Bieber has some question marks, obviously, as well, you know, with uh, his elbow injury that kept him on the shelf for a long time last season. But all reports on him, uh, you know, during the offseason have been good. So I'm not surprised at all the, that the Dodgers kind of kicked the tires on him. Yeah, they they do for all of the the additions that they've already made, and for for the the monster lineup that they're going to be able to put out there. Uh, starting pitching is going to be where they're going to need to either uh, acquire somebody, you know, early in the season or by the trade deadline. I, I I can't see them with what they've put together right now. Obviously, going for it all, you know, this season, uh, they're going to be the biggest players on the. Uh, the market when it comes to the trade deadline in terms of the the top uh, available starting pitcher uh, in in sometime in July, uh, I I think it's might be kind of inevitable that that Bieber uh, is is the guy that they target at some point. Uh, it, it's just a matter of timing right now, and, and he's probably going to open the uh, the season with Cleveland. Uh, also, signing Yamamoto, I mean, it, we, we've seen this in the past before. Uh, it might take a little time for uh, a guy like Yamamoto to adjust to the big leagues. Uh, I could see him, you know, starting out and, and you know, maybe struggling a little bit in the, the early going, uh, but then figuring it out and being pretty good down the stretch for them. I just think, you know, early on, their their starting pitching depth is, is not uh, what it needs to be for a team that is going to be expected to win, <laughs> flat out, just be expected to win every game. Uh, it, it, uh, Mookie Betts even came out and said, uh, every team that we play this season, it's going to be their Super Bowl, and and they're he's kind of right. No, oh, no doubt about it. And uh, you know, when you think about it, Joe, it's kind of weird. Yamamoto, you know, a guy that's never pitched in the big leagues, you know, is you know kind of a veteran from Japan, is could be their most reliable starter. You know, mm-hmm. on paper, looks like their most reliable starter. You know, um, considering the injuries and considering, you know, where the where their other starters are on, you know, their their rehabs and stuff. So it's really an interesting rotation. And uh, y- Yamamoto, you know, 
hopefully for the Dodgers, he has a little faster start than than we've seen in the past when, when some Japanese pitchers coming over. Yeah, that's uh, well. Hopefully for the Dodgers. I mean, I'm, I'm not sitting here hoping the Dodgers win win anything, but uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll see as we move forward. Uh, all right, I want to remind our listeners uh, that they can subscribe to our uh, subtext texting service. Uh, it's two. It's three ninety nine a month if you uh, want to sign up and get text messages directly to your phone from Hoinsey and from me uh, throughout the season, throughout the uh, throughout spring training. Uh, the, uh, you go to cleveland.com slash subtext or, uh, send a text message to 216-208-4346, uh, to sign up that way and, and keep yourself updated. Uh, Hoinsey, really quick, uh, just wanted to sort of, uh, mention, uh, you know, we've got spring training coming soon. Uh, the, the obviously one of the big battles, the big, uh, question marks, uh, is at shortstop where uh, Brian Rocchio and Gabriel Arias seem to be poised to battle it out uh, for that starting shortstop position. Uh, but I want to throw another name out there. I, I want to throw the uh, the forgotten guy sort of uh, in this whole mix, uh, and that's Tyler Freeman, a former number two uh, prospect in the organization, a uh, guy who uh, you know spent the majority of the season uh, last year with um, with Cleveland, uh, you know, 64 games, 168 plate appearances. You know, we haven't really seen uh, a lot of Tyler Freeman uh, in in the two years since he made his debut. But is this a guy who could also factor into that shortstop battle? I think so, Joe. And you know, I think so. You know, but I think the the main focus is going to be on Arias and and Rocchio. But uh, you know, I you know just you know, if if the the way they used uh, Tyler last year holds true, it looks like they're looking at him more of a utility guy. You know, and I know in talking to uh, you know Mike Chernoff, the uh, GM during you know a, a, a while ago, they were also trying to you know saying you know that that the DH spot, the open DH spot, may may create some at bats for him there because they do like the way he swings the bat, they do like his contact rate. But, uh, you know, I, I, right now, I think he's more of a utility factor and he can play a little bit in the outfield as well. Yeah, he played uh, a couple of games in left field uh, for Cleveland. Uh, it, he basically started at every position except for center field, right field, pitcher and catcher uh, over the last two years. So uh, he, he does have a, a, that feeling of a little bit of a, you know, he can sort of do it all. Uh, but but he's a natural shortstop. That's his position that he played coming up. And, you know, I, I got to believe if you're Tyler Freeman, you want a, a chance, you want a shot at being able to prove that that you could play there every day. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll get some chances at, in, in spring training there. Um, and, uh, you know, and we'll just see how it goes. But it, it's an interesting, you know, position, an interesting mix of players, um, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure, Joe. You know, you, obviously you got to go with defense first. But you know, if if Freeman, I mean, had a breakout year in spring training, you know, swung the bat well, showed some pop. Um, could he hit his way into that job, or do you do you have to go with the glove first? Or does you know he show enough during spring training? Not not that spring training's the the be all and end all, but 
you know, does he make himself appealing to another club that he could be packaged in a trade? I've, I've also been saying this for quite a long time, that if they want to make a move uh, to get uh, a, an impact player, uh, you know, a quality player, uh, that they're probably going to have to part with some of these shortstop prospects and uh, these young guys. And, you know, maybe Tyler Freeman's a, a guy who could be uh, in a position to to work his way into a trade and be part of uh, be part of that. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. And, um, you know, this is a guy that makes contact. And, and in two years, you know, we really he's only played 88 games. He's only had 230 at bats in the big leagues. So you I don't even know if the Cleveland knows what they have in Tyler, you know, and I don't know if he's going to get an extended look. You know, you can you can send him down. You know what he's going to do at AAA. He's he's kind of shown you he's proven himself there. Now he's got to make the next step, but you have to have the opportunity to do it. So it's going to be interesting to see if he gets that chance. All right, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Hoinsey, we'll check in with you again tomorrow. All right, Joe.